I think it's so fun to come together and worship together as a group and study God's word as a group. Um, Terry is out of town, as you can tell. Um, I'm going to open up with a word of prayer so you can get up and leave if you want to. I'm just kidding. No, please don't. Please don't. You know, I've studied, I've been convicted by God's word this week, and I pray that um, it would touch your hearts as well. But let's go ahead and... um, If you don't mind, before we pray, let me tell you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you can get your Bibles and open it to Matthew chapter 6. And just uh, thank you for for coming. I know that we're all busy. We got a lot going on in the weekends. But this is for, this is the Lord's time. Amen. And those of you who might be watching or listening online, um, this is the Lord's time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are so good to us, God. You bless us more more than we deserve. Lord, we don't deserve any blessings, but you are just such a good and gracious God. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that gives us instruction. We thank you that um, you died for our sins. You ascended into heaven, but you didn't leave us alone. You've given us your Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us and lead us and convict us. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would be our teacher. Lord, we look to your word. And we, we pray, Lord, we're here at your feet. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've titled the message, Choose Your Reward. Choose Your Reward. And we're going to see that Jesus kind of has two different options, if you will, of attaining rewards. Okay? And we're going to see that he compares the two. Um, there's a story of a rich man who once invited many honored guests for a feast. And his own chair, was, which was richly decorated, was placed at one end of the table. And so while everybody was walking in, he was at the door greeting people, and everybody seated themselves at the table according to his own esteem of his position inside of the master. When the time came and all were seated, the master saw how everyone was seated, but then took his chair And moved it to the other end of the table. Now talk about a wake-up call for those who had seated themselves next to the master. In this uh, text that we're looking at, we're going to see that perhaps we make that same mistake. There is a time when God spoke through the prophet Isaiah. And I'm going to read a few verses out of Isaiah chapter 1. When God's people were living hypocritically. They were putting on a show outwardly, but their hearts were far from him. And listen to what God said through the prophet Isaiah to his people. He said, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, and give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, understand, he's not writing to Sodom and Gomorrah, but these people are evil. And so he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah. God says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of cattle. Bring no more, no more futile sacrifices. Incense, it's an abomination to me, God says. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. And even though you make many prayers, God says, I will not hear you. For your hands are full of blood. And those are heavy words from God. But the question is, why did he say that to his people? Well, again, it's because 
of the way they lived. You know, they would go to the temple. They would even obey God's laws, the Old Testament laws. They would even fast. And they would show up to the temple eager, seemingly eager to seek the Lord. But really, what God knew is that it was all an outward show. It was all just an outward show that they were putting on. Jesus later in Matthew uh, chapter 15, speaking of the people, especially the religious leaders, he quotes Isaiah again. And Jesus says, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching his commandments or teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. So not much has changed. As we look at our text, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first six verses, and then we're going to skip and look at verses 16 through 18. But understand something, that for the Jewish community in the day when Jesus is walking on the earth here, there were three primary expressions of their religion as a Jewish follower of God. One of them was... Charity, charity, giving to the poor, giving to the needy. Another one was prayer, praying to the one and only true mighty God. And the third one was fasting. All three of those were given by God, appointed by God in the Old Testament as very important. So let's look at the text now. Matthew chapter 6, read with me starting in verse 1. Jesus is speaking and he says, Take heed... That you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Verse 5, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues. And on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Go ahead and skip down to verse 16. Jesus continues, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place. 
and your father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. And so I see Jesus repeating several different things in these three examples of giving, praying, uh, and fasting. But let's consider, first of all, going the first route of that first type of reward. First of all, in verse 1, Jesus says, Take heed, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. That phrase, take heed, means turn your mind to this. Give careful attention to, concentrate on this one thing. Jesus is saying, whatever you do, focus on this one thing. When you do your deeds, don't do them before men to be seen by them. Whatever you do. When I was growing up as as a kid, my dad would give me projects to do. Projects that I didn't know what I was doing, right? But he would explain it to me and he would tell me, do this, 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 and this. And then he would always say, without fail, but whatever you do, Daniel, don't let this happen. Guess what always happened? Whatever he said not to do, it would happen. And it wasn't my fault. Well, I guess it was. But he was always like, whatever you do, don't let this happen. Well, Jesus here is saying, look, whatever you do, concentrate, focus on this one thing. Don't do your deeds to be seen by men. And that word seen is the Greek word theaome. And we get the word uh, theater, theatrics from. It means to put on a spectacular performance. So Jesus says, whatever you do when you do your deeds, don't put on a spectacular performance. Now there's a word that he uses over and over again to re, uh, refer to these people, and it's the word hypocrite. Hypocrite. In verse 2, he says, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. In verse 5, about praying, Jesus says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. In verse 16, about fasting, again, Jesus says, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites. That comes from a Greek word that means pretender. Pretender. It's someone who appears to be one thing, but really is the opposite. And it was used of Greek actors in the theater who were mask wearers. And they wore these masks with exaggerated smiles on them or exaggerated frowns on them. You know, sad face on the mask. So that even the people in the very far back could know what emotion was being portrayed at that moment. So Jesus is saying, don't be that mask wearer, putting on a face, putting on a mask, being something that you're really not. Now, how do we do that? Or how, did, how are they guilty of doing that? Well, Jesus said that when they gave to the poor in verse 2, they sounded the trumpet in the synagogue and in the streets. And we can take that two ways. We can take that figuratively. And Jesus is saying, look, whenever you give to the poor... Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't go and announce to everybody what you're doing, what you're giving. Don't go and and make a a huge parade about it. Just keep it quiet. Another thing that some commentators believe is there is a place um, by, by the temple, in the temple known as the temple treasury, where there were 13 chests. And these chests were in the shape of a trumpet. And what would happen is throughout the day, people would come and donate 
put uh, offerings into those chests. And at the end of the day, the poor would come and it would be distributed to the poor. Some commentators believe that the Pharisees, when they would give to uh, the poor and the needy, they wouldn't even make it all the way to those trumpet-shaped chests. They believe that they would go to the synagogue and literally blow their own trumpet that they would carry with them. Some of them would even blow the trumpet when they were walking in the streets. And so people learned after a while that whenever they heard the trumpet, that there was somebody, a Pharisee more than likely, who was going to give away things to the poor. And so could you imagine... In your mind, they blow the trumpet, people start gathering around them, and I can see them showing the item that they're going to give, and everybody's, ooh, ah. And they're looking around, deciding who to give it to, whoever maybe is begging the most. And they say, okay, you can have this. Look at everybody. I'm giving this to them. But the point is, Jesus is calling the, the Pharisees hypocrites because they gave to the poor not out of concern for the poor, but so that they might be seen by men. So Jesus says, whatever you do, take heed, be careful. Don't do your good deeds to be seen by men. Now, concerning praying, how did they pray? Jesus says, those hypocrites, they love to pray. And if you look at verse 5, it's interesting how it says it, how Jesus says it. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. Now, if it stopped there, that'd be awesome, but it doesn't stop there. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. So the point Jesus is making is this. It's not that they love to pray. It's that they love to pray standing up in the synagogues. They love to pray at the street corners where everybody was walking by and could see them. I learned that the Pharisees would pray faithfully three times a day. At 9 o'clock in the morning, at 12 o'clock noon, and again at 3 p.m. They would always pray. The Pharisees would pray. And they would make it to the temple, but the idea is that many of them wouldn't even go to the synagogue. And when they did go to the synagogue, instead of praying quietly, they would stand up. And they would put on a show, and they would, uh, they would pray out loud these amazing prayers. And people would walk by and listen and say, wow. And sometimes they wouldn't even make it to the synagogue. They would go and stand at the street corners and they would utter these loud, repetitive prayers and people walking by would say, look at how righteous they are. And so what's funny is that instead of offering prayers to God, it's almost as if though they were praying and talking to men. They did it so that they could be seen by men. And so Jesus says, whatever you do, take careful heed, be careful Don't go and pray just to be seen by men. And referring to fasting. Now fasting, when you fast, you're deliberately going without food and you're doing it for different reasons. You you might be fasting because you want to meditate on God's word. You want to pray. Perhaps you're doing it to honor God. Perhaps you're doing it so that you can worship him. But really there was one official day that the Jews were commanded to fast. Just one day. And that was on the Day of Atonement. And they were to fast. They were not to eat. They were not to drink anything. They were not to bathe. They were not to anoint themselves with oil. All of that was forbidden. Now, they could fast other days. There were other days that they had of fasting 
concerning natural, uh, national disasters. And of course, on a private basis, anybody could fast. But here's the thing about the Pharisees and why Jesus calls them hypocrites. He said that they would walk around with sad faces, with a sad countenance, and that they would disfigure their face so that men would know that they're fasting. And I looked up those phrases, sad countenance. It means to look somber. It means to appear downcast or gloomy. I thought this was funny. It means to go about looking pitiful. So you think about the Pharisees when they're fasting. They're looking sad. And I would get so annoyed if I was there. But no doubt somebody would come around and say, Are you okay? Oh, what's the matter? I'd roll my eyes at that point, but they would respond and say, well, it's because I'm fasting today and I'm weak and I'm so tired, but I'm fasting for the Lord. And so they would walk around like that. It also says that they would, Jesus says they would disfigure their faces. I don't know how you do that, but it literally means to destroy, to ruin, to make ugly. It could mean to deprive of luster. And so it could be translated, they deliberately go with dirty faces. They make themselves appear to be suffering or they allow themselves to look terrible. Now, here's the thing about the Pharisees. They did that, but understand this. The Pharisees fasted twice a week. Every Monday and every Thursday. So can you imagine the Pharisees every Monday and Thursday? I would be so annoyed Twice a week, they're walking around, all sad, all somber. They didn't comb their hair. They didn't brush their teeth, whatever, you know. And why? Just so that they could be seen by men. All so that they could be seen by men. Uh, Wearsby said, if we fast in order to get something for ourselves from God, instead of to become a better person, then we've missed the meaning of worship and fasting. So Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrite. Don't do your, your good deeds to be seen by men. Now, he says, if you do that, we're still talking about this first option of rewards. He says, if you do that, then you're going to get your reward. You're going to get your reward. And Jesus says it exactly the same way three times. In verse 2, Jesus says, assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. About prayer, again, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. About fasting in verse 18 or verse 16, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And notice it's their reward. Not God's reward. Their reward. Now, Jesus, he did tell us that we're to be different, that we're to be a light in this world. He said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works but then that they would glorify your Father in heaven. So here's the deal. We shouldn't be someone super spiritual in public while being wicked in private. We shouldn't be someone super spiritual in public while being wicked in private. Look, if our aim is to make our good deeds public, then we shouldn't expect any kind of reward from the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. One commentator said, there's not going to be any reward from the Father. Why should there be? The deed was done in order to secure a reputation 
not in order to serve God. Already the doer has secured his reward. He aimed at reputation, and he got it, and he has no right to expect anything more from the Father. And so instead of getting a reward from the Father, when you do things publicly, made public, exposed, you blow that trumpet, you get shallow praise from men, and you miss the blessings of God. You see, we can't be like the Pharisees and expect rewards both ways. They expected rewards both from man and from God, but it has to be one of the two. You're either going to be rewarded by man or you will be rewarded by God. Let's consider the second option. The first option is doing things, make it public, let people see you, get your praise and applause from men. The second option of rewards is doing your good deeds before the Father. Just do your acts of worship, do your good deeds before the Father. Three times Jesus says that his Father is in the secret. He says, do your charitable deed so that it may be in the secret in verse 4. In verse 6, when praying, he says, go into your room and after you've shut your door, pray to the Father who's in the secret place. In verse 18, he says, when you fast, do so so that you don't appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. God knows. God's in the secret. God is, we know, everywhere. There is nowhere you can hide. There's no thought you can keep from him. There's no motive or intent that he doesn't know of. God already knows. That word secret is the Greek word kryptos. It means to be done in the hidden. It means that it's something that is known only by those immediately involved It is done privately. So how do we do this? Jesus tells us when you give to the poor, first of all, he says in verse three, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that could be taken again, two different ways. It could be taken figuratively where it's like this. Jesus is saying, look, when you do a good deed, don't let those even closest to you know what you have done. Even the closest friends to you, you don't need to tell them. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Other commentators saw it like this. When you do a good deed, don't even boast to yourself about what you have done. I'm guilty of that. I'm a hypocrite, yes. Because it feels good to congratulate yourself, doesn't it? We do something good and we say, well, that was really good of me. Don't do that. Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When we give, giving is not to be done to get praise from people. And get this, it's not even to be done to get praise from God. It's to be done because we love God and we love people and we, we just forget about ourselves. Don't even think about yourself when you give. In praying, concerning praying, Jesus says, when you pray, don't, you don't need to go out into the streets. You need to go out into synagogues and stand up and pray loud. He says, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and when you're there by yourself, pray to the Father who's in the secret place. Pray to him when you're there alone. A place where you can be private. And there's just something about praying when you're alone with God, isn't there? 
you can be honest with him. You know what? Perhaps sometimes when you um, are at a prayer uh, meeting or a Bible study and you, you might not feel comfortable and you might tell yourself, I don't know how to pray. I'm not good at praying. Well, you know what? When you pray by yourself, the Father just wants to hear you. He doesn't care what words, what kind of words, how spectacular your words are, your prayers are. You just talk to him. And it's a beautiful thing when you can meet with the Father by yourself. You think about it. Jesus himself prayed alone. We read in Mark that he went out, departed from everybody to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Daniel in the Old Testament, after learning that the the decree had been signed by the king, it says that he went to his house, went up to his room, and there prayed, giving thanks to God three times that day, as was his custom. Daniel went and he prayed by himself to God. And so when you pray, Jesus says, look, just go by yourself. Concerning fasting, Jesus says in verse 17, when you fast, do me a favor, anoint your head, wash your face so that Only the Father knows you're fasting. The New Living Translation puts it like this. When you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. The disciples are being told, look, whenever you fast, dress up just as if though you're not fasting. Don't make it obvious that you're doing this thing. People don't need to know. If you do it in the secret, God's going to see. And that's That's the next thing that we see that Jesus repeats three different times. When you do those things in the secret, your father who sees you will reward you. He says it in verse 4, at the end of verse 4, your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. In verse 6 about prayer, he says your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And then again in verse 18 about fasting, he says when your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. It's comforting to know this. It's comforting and encouraging to know that God is just. He's fair. He's righteous. He knows. He knows what you've done. He sees it when nobody else sees it. He sees it. I'm reminded of the time when Jesus is sitting and it says that a certain poor widow went and put in two mites into the treasury. And Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. By the way, two mites is like not even two pennies. But he says, She's put in more than all for everybody else out of their abundance put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. God knows. God knows, he takes it into account, he considers it, he considers the cost to you, he knows. I'm reminded again of a parable that Jesus told about a tax collector and a Pharisee that went to the temple to pray. And it says this, Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself and said, God I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. For I fast twice a week 
and I give tithes of all that I possess. But then Jesus says concerning the tax collector, the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Listen, what matters is not what man sees, but what does God see? What does God see? You know, all of us are going to go through this experience. Those of us who have given our lives to Christ... Those of us who have placed our faith and trust in him and are heaven bound. We're all going to appear before what is called the judgment seat of Christ. And this judgment seat, it's not going to be judgment based on your evil. you're, You're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. No, this is for those that are already going to heaven. Okay. But this judgment seat is something that all of us are going to stand before God and give an account for our deeds. And get rewarded. Kind of like an award ceremony, if you will. But Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.10, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Again, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this, Anyone who builds on the foundation of Christ, and he's referring to when we're going to be tested, our good deeds, I should say, are going to be tested. He says, anyone who builds on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, they can use a different variety of materials. They could have used gold, silver, or jewels, or they could have used wood, hay, and straw. On the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value and whether or not it survives. So here's how it's going to work, I think. We're all going to appear before the judgment seat. All believers are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Not so much in fear of going to hell because we're we're going to heaven. But we're going to go and God is going to test, judge, if you will, our good deeds. And any good deeds that we bring that are made of uh, wood, hay, and straw are going to be put through the fire and they're going to be burned up. And we won't be rewarded for those. Now, what kind of deeds, what kind of works are those going to be? I think those are going to be works that are done with uh, selfish motives, improper motives, done hypocritically as we're reading Jesus speaking about the Pharisees. I think it's going to be deeds done by a person who is habitually living in an unconfessed sin, a lifestyle of sin, a lifestyle of unconfessed sin, while at the same time outwardly doing these deeds. All those types of deeds are not going to endure the test of fire. But, Paul says, if you show up and you've got these Uh, materials made of gold, silver, and jewels, those are going to go through the fire and they're going to stand the test of fire. Now, what kind of deeds are those going to be? I think those are going to be things that are done with pure motives, 
with humble hearts for God's glory, not for your own glory. Things that God knows you did with the proper motive. And those deeds that you and I do are going to stand that test of fire. And then we will be rewarded for those by God. And it's not even that he has to reward us. It's not even a payment. It's just that he wants to abundantly reward us for our faithfulness. So consider that. What reward then would you choose considering the two? Doing things before men and getting a shallow praise from men or doing things in secret or at least not to be seen by men before the Father and then being rewarded by him. I want to share a story of three good friends. They lived in a pond. They're not people. In a certain pond on one of the farms in the east were two ducks and a frog. Now they were the best of friends and all day long they played together. But as the hot summer days came, the pond began to dry up and soon there was so little water that they all realized that they would have to move. Now the ducks could easily fly to another place, but what about their friend, the frog? Well, the frog came up with a brilliant idea. The ducks would each put the end of a stick in their bill and then the frog would bite onto the middle of the stick with his mouth and they would fly him to another pond and so they did. And so they got airborne and as they were flying over the fields, they noticed a farmer look up at at them and say, well, isn't that a clever idea? I wonder who thought of it. The frog wanted to say, but he kept his mouth shut. (laughs) Didn't say a word. Well, less than a minute later, as they're flying over these fields, they go over a group of farmers and they can hear the conversation. Would you take a look at this? Clever, brilliant idea. I wonder whose idea it was. And they overhear another farmer saying, well, it had to have been the ducks because, come on, I think ducks are smarter than frogs. Well, the frog just couldn't take it anymore. So he opened his mouth and he cried out to them, it was me, I came up with the idea. Those were the last words spoken by the frog. (laughs) The farmers enjoyed frog legs for dinner. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We do the same thing when we choose to blow our own trumpets. We do the same thing when we wear a mask and we come to church and we pray these long, impressive prayers, but at home we don't even pray. What would you choose? Jesus says, whatever you do, don't be like the hypocrites. So how do we get over this hypocrisy? I want to share four things that Wearsby says to do to overcome hypocrisy. First step, the first step toward overcoming hypocrisy is to be honest with God in our secret life. Just be honest with God. Don't lie to him. Don't hide things from him. Share your 
sincere thoughts and feelings and struggles. Be honest with him. Step number two. We must never pray anything that we do not mean from the heart. Otherwise, they're just empty words. You know, I, I think a lot of us know the right answers. We know what God wants to hear. We know the spiritual answer. We know it. But oftentimes we say those words, but we don't really sincerely mean them. We don't mean them. And so he says, don't pray anything that you don't mean from the heart. Step number three, our motive must be to please God alone. That should be your motive. Oftentimes we think to ourselves, what what are my dreams? What do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go? What do I want to visit? Hey, listen, what if you ask God, Lord, what do you want me? So to speak, what are your dreams for me? Would you show me so that I can do those things? Our motive should be to please God alone. Fourth thing that Wiersbe says. We must cultivate the heart in the secret place. That is, we must plow. We must dig. We must turn over the dirt. We must prepare. We must fertilize with God's word. There must be weeds that need to be pulled out. We must cultivate the heart in the secret place. Somebody said this. The most important part of a Christian's life is the part that only God sees. Ah, that hurts. The most important part of a Christian's life is the part that only God sees. God judges the greatness of his servants by searching their hearts examining their inner attitudes, and seeing deeds done in secret. I want to close with a text out of James chapter 4, and it's something we all need to do. And you don't need to turn there, but I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll close in prayer. But it says in James chapter 4, verse 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse cleanse your hands, you sinners, And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's pray. Lord, you know our hearts. And we are good actors that know the right answers, many of us. But Lord, none of that matters. When sometimes we concern ourselves about our reputation with people, that's a waste of time. Lord, what truly matters is how you see us. Lord, you know how we are. You know who we are in secret. And Lord, we are sinners. Lord, we are unclean. We are hypocrites. And Lord, we just, we want to come before you this morning and we just want to pray and ask that you'd help us, God, to be sincere, genuine, humble, 
down-to-earth, real Christians. We don't need to put on a show for anybody here. Lord, we all declare that we need you. Without you, we're so lost. I just want to give us just a few, maybe a minute, with everybody, their eyes closed. What are some things that you need to share with the Father? What are some things you need to be honest about? What are some sins that you come to church and you don't share with anybody because you're embarrassed and that's understandable, but you, you pretend to be somebody else, but you're really not. Would you confess those to God right now? Would you ask him to help you with those things? Let's all do that here just for a minute. Lord, thank you for dying for those sins. Thank you that you've provided a way to be forgiven and that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess them to you. Thank you so much, God, for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we want to be rewarded by you, but not not even that, Lord. We just want to love you. You've already rewarded us with eternal life when we placed our trust in you. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to live for you genuinely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's